Wendy's homestyle French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Welcome to Millennial 629. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. So I had a embarrassing moment today. Uh-oh. Rewinding a little bit. Um, I was trying to refill some prescriptions last week, which included my Lexapro, you know, which is kind of a like I need it type medicine. Yeah, you got to take it every night. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my pharmacy was like, yeah, we can't refill this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, yeah, your doctor won't issue any more refills. And I was like, what the hell? So I call the doctor's office and I get the nurse who's like, yeah, doctor hasn't seen you, needs to see you once a year. And I was like, that's fine. But you could have told me, you know, before my prescription ran out. (laughs) Before, yeah, you needed more. Before I needed more. And they were like, well, you can go to the pharmacy and get like a few days worth to tide you over until you can see her for a Zoom appointment on Monday. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So I went, I got the extras. They wouldn't give me enough for the amount of days that I had. So I literally had to cut my pills in half for a few days, like tie me over. I was so pissed about it that I was like, oh, man, when I get in there for that appointment, I am going to unleash and be like, what the hell? Like, how can you make people like wait and beg for their medications like that? And then I signed on for the fucking Zoom meeting this morning and I have this background (laughs) that I forgot about. I completely forgot that I had it. For anyone who can't see the video and is just listening, I have the this is fine background where like the house is on fire and there's like smoke in the background. And that was the first thing she commented on, of course. (laughs) You see this? This is my head because you didn't give me more Lexapro. But and so at that point, it kind of took the wind out of my sails to be as forceful as I intended to be. And I was like, yeah, I just I feel like that's this year. Yeah, really. And she laughed. And so we bonded. And then she gave me my stuff and I was like, okay, whatever. But I just felt so deflated afterwards because I was like, man, like I came in, I was ready. I was ready to like throw some punches, not physically, (laughs) obviously. Uh, And then it was like, like you forgot your stupid Zoom background, (laughs) you idiot. That's pretty nice, though. You only have to check in once a year to get a year's worth of refills because both psychiatrists that prescribed me Lexapro made me come in every three months. Mm. But they were just trying to squeeze more money out of me, I'm sure. That's yeah, what that was about. I'm sure that's what that was. Well, cool. We also wanted to announce that we're going to try something new this week on Millennial. Um, this is a trial run. So if it sucks, we might never do it again. But No, we should. I'm already really <laughs> excited about it. I'm I'm excited about it. So we are going to be playing a game called Taboo Word of the Week. So at the beginning of this episode, we are going to introduce like a word or a phrase Um, something that's a really hot topic and we can't refer to that thing by name. Should one of us slip up and break the seal, as it were, 
we have shots on standby (laughs) waiting for whoever the offender is to take. And this week's word or phrase is 2020. What shot do each of you have prepared today? I have a little thing of fireball. I won't be able to finish the whole thing because as we were discussing before the show, it's more than a shot and I'm really bad at shots. Mine's rum. Mine is vodka. Everybody's got something different. That's good. Yeah. So basically after this point in the show... If we want to, and obviously the rules are off right now because I'm explaining them, but if somebody wants to refer to 2020, we're going to be forced to get creative with how we refer to it. Things like the year that shall not be named, all of those kinds of things will be acceptable for the duration of this episode. But the minute that somebody slips up and says it, you got to take shot, a shot. Shot, 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 And then shot. I guess should the other two just take a shot in solidarity? I don't know. No, no, Ooh. because they <laughs> might say it too at some point. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. So, gotta, so everybody else can take a shot in solidarity at the end of the show. Yeah, yes. if, we, if we haven't if messed haven't. it up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, patrons in the Discord, we are going to be depending on you to keep us honest because I know sometimes we get going really fast and we might slip up and say something and not realize we've said it. So if one of us says the offending word, you got to call us out. JY says she's calling this the Voldemort game in her head. I think that's a really good idea. We should do this on MuggleCast and call it the Voldemort that's game. a great thing. You guys allowed to drink over there? Yeah, we yeah, can't drink. Yeah, why not? Oh, okay. No, of course we can. <laughs> I thought it was like a PG show. I mean... <laughs> we also record been... like Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. We can't start drinking okay, well, at Saturday. Well, hey, we could pretend Mimosas it's like brunch. or yeah. a thing on the weekends. Yeah. Exactly. Sunday fun day, except we record on Saturday. So Saturday... Catterday. Um, and something else that we did just for funsies, after talking about um, Song of the Summer last week and Spotify Summer Rewind playlists, we decided to make a Millennial Summer Rewind playlist that is compiled of a bunch of songs from uh, the three of us and then also Jules, all of our Spotify Summer Rewinds. So we picked some of our favorite tunes from those and added them. And we will make this playlist available to y'all in the show notes. Sounds Super good. fun. Also, just wanted to offer a quick plug for our Patreon because we've got a couple good things over there this week. We have a new edition of Muggle Suck. This was an AMA edition, and we answered questions like who was behind the Acid Quill? That was a fandom gossip blog. Two people were behind it, and in a way, they betrayed me. But I forgave one of them, and I haven't spoken to the other one since because I was really pissed that she never told me. Um, So we talk about that. We also talk about where all the muggle casters are today and the millennial people as well. And I also retold the story of when JK Rowling came for me. By the way, her tweet is now hung up in my office. I have the one in which I sucked up to her and lied to her. And then it's like, where's this going? (laughs) The one in which I sucked her off. (laughs) No, the one in which I sucked up to her and then below it is the one where she calls out hypable so i call it the rise and fall of man the good times and the bad times <laughs> when i walk <laughs> through the doorway I, I give it a, one of those little you know tap it as i walk out with a little <laughs> kiss uh so anyway it was a really good edition of muggle sock please do check it out and then pam told this story about the worst celebrity she ever encountered and she posted a photo with that celebrity <laughs> and you can you can tell that she wants to kill him uh she posted that this is why i never posted it anywhere else so <laughs> i love it <laughs> so that's at patreon.com slash millennial as well some really good stuff over there this week also just wanted to get your quick reactions to midnight sun 
How far is everybody in this new Twilight book? Not super far, but far enough to wonder why anybody would think this serves as like, I don't know, redemption for Edward. He's even (laughs) creepier in this book. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, I'm a few chapters in. Pam, how about you? Um, I'm about halfway through. Pam's the biggest Twilight fan here, so that makes sense. I, You know what? Look, I'm an overachiever. I really thought you guys were going to both have it done. So I was like, I need to speed read this. I should have. I should have slowed down. No, no. I'm glad you got as (laughs) far as you have. Don't slow down for us. No, you're the yeah. Hermione of our panel. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god, you're giving me too much credit. <laughs> I wanted to read it. It's just unpacking and getting this house set is just you know that's where all my free time is going. Um, but we will talk about it more in today's After Dark because uh, we're going to share our initial thoughts. And Laura, you can ex- extrapolate more on your feelings towards Edward. I have to say though, I have it sitting here right here behind me. I, it's surreal to actually see it. Yeah, it is. You know, we we didn't think this was going to happen. And then finally, in this year that shall not be named, it happened, which is unbelievable. All right. Well, while you're listening to last week's After Dark Muggle Suck Tea, you're going to want to make sure that you're comfortable in every way. And that's where our first sponsor of the week comes in. They are Third Love and they do bras differently. They're designed with millions of different measurements, giving them over 80 bra sizes to suit your unique body. And they make bras they believe in. Every bra is backed by their perfect fit promise. If you don't love it within 60 days, returns are always free. I'm a major third love stan, and I swear by the fit. I remember the first time I put one on, I couldn't believe that it took me 15 years or so to find a bra that provided enough support while staying super comfortable. I love the no-slip straps that stay on without digging into my shoulders. And I also can't say enough about the durability. I used to have to purchase new bras at least once a year, but my 2018 Third Love bras are still going strong in this year that shall not be named. (laughs) And Third Love wants to help you make sure you find your perfect fit. Their team of fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find that perfect fit and are available via chat or email. And if you don't love it, you'll have 60 days to return it. Third Love will then wash and donate all gently used return bras to someone in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. So even though I doubt you'll want to return your Third Love bra, it's absolutely a brand you can feel good about supporting. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 15% off today. Have you two been following the Ellen DeGeneres drama? A little more than I would expect myself to, (laughs) just because it seems like it's everywhere. So I haven't really had a choice but to at least do a little bit of reading on it. But I have a feeling we're going to go very in-depth. Yeah. How about you, Pam? You're into gossip like this. God. Um, I'm not I don't think I'm into gossip, but I think that this is a really big story. And it feels like it's a long time coming, which I know that you're going to touch on as you get into this. So it's kind of hard to avoid. It's a big deal. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know Ellen and her show's producers, they've been under fire after a couple high profile 
deeply reported stories that exposed physical and emotional abuse as well as racism within her offices. And like Pam said, it is it has been a long time coming because there have been rumors for years that Ellen is just a bad person in real life. Um, but to my recollection, this is the first time that her producers have been under fire. Maybe there's been some talk about that because I just feel like based on what we've been learning, there's no way that people felt that it was only Ellen who was the problem. Um, And this is all very ironic because Ellen has always preached kindness. That's always been her thing. At the end of each episode, she says something to the effect of uh, be kind to one another. Goodbye, everybody. And, you know, her ads and all that, it's all about kindness. But apparently she's just really mean. She's the type of person who um, doesn't encourage a good environment at the workplace. I've heard these murmurs of like, she won't let you look at her in the hallway or in the elevator, stuff like that. And the aspect that I wanted to really talk about today were the celebrities who are either coming out in support of her or agreeing with the attacks on her and the reporting on her. I just have to say, these celebrities who are sticking up for Ellen are absolutely ridiculous. Celebrities include Katy Perry, Diane Keaton, Ashton Kutcher, and Jay Leno. Um, Katy Perry, in particular, tweeted out, I know I can't speak for anyone else's experience besides my own, but I want to acknowledge that I've only ever had positive takeaways from my time with Ellen and on The Ellen Show. Dear Celebrities, Of course, you are not going to see any issues at the show. You are an invited guest. Everyone's job at the show is to make you feel welcomed and comfortable so you have a great on-air appearance. They don't want you seeing the bullshit backstage and then you're going to be in a bad mood or you might not want to come back to Ellen. And they all work for her. So they have to impress you. And if if anyone didn't treat you perfectly at the show, they'd probably be fired. So... I can't stand these celebrities who are like, I've been there and it's been a great time. You don't work there, idiot. Yeah. To me, this is like if people had come out in support of Harvey Weinstein a couple years ago. I think Harvey's great because I was never sexually abused by him. It's not about you. It's about other people. Right. And obviously with this case, this isn't like one complaint that's come out. We've talked in the past before about how... When a complaint about like a public figure comes out, it's usually a good idea to reserve judgment to see if a pattern emerges. And there's clearly a pattern here. Yeah. And so to say, like, especially to look at celebrities who have been such, um, you know, strong advocates for things like the Me Too movement, to believe people when they speak out about abuse, to see them... (laughs) sort of like turning coat when it Mm -hmm. comes to this because they're friends with Ellen. That just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I also wonder what do these people have to gain by sticking up for her? An invite to Ellen's mansion? Another invite to her show? It is interesting because if somebody were to ask you who's like the, the most powerful talk show host, I think all of us would probably pick somebody on late night. Yeah, but daytime, Ellen's probably number one. And her ratings are good. So I guess if Katy Perry is like, oh, I got to go promote my next album. I need to get on Ellen. Yeah. I better not be But you know what, her. though? These days, honestly, it's less about people that are tuning into these shows and more about people that tune into the clips that go up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this really interesting article once 
about the Late Late Show with James Corden. They were talking about how they knew that their viewership was really low compared to other talk shows. So they really focused on trying to rev up the numbers on YouTube. And that's why the show's so successful. Well, like Carpool Karaoke, which right, was exactly. born on his show, those get tens of millions of views mm-hmm. per video on YouTube. Right. So I wonder if her social game is also like it is plays more of a factor. Yeah. Because most people are not home at 4 p.m. to watch Ellen on TV. And it's not like you can watch reruns on you know, after or catch it again on Hulu, you know. Now, there have been celebrities agreeing that there's a problem at Ellen. A couple of very notable people, Brad Garrett, he used to be a star of Everybody Loves Raymond, and he's had a big comedy career. He came out and said, oh, yeah, it's uh, the worst kept secret in town that Ellen and her show suck. Um, Brad said, I know more than one who were treated horribly by her. For a big celebrity to say that publicly is a pretty big deal. And I feel like Brad Garrett's probably been on The Ellen Show multiple times. So that kind of took balls. Also, Ellen's former on-air DJ, Tony Okunboa, of nine years. He was there for nine years. He said, while I am grateful for the opportunity the, the show afforded me, I did experience and feel the toxicity of the environment, and I stand with my former colleagues in their quest to create a healthier and more inclusive workplace as the show moves forward. That's ballsy, too, to come out and say that, because that could hurt your job prospects in the future. People might be considering you, and then they're like, well, actually, he can go and stab his employer in the back. So good on DJ Tony and... Even Brad Garrett and Leah Thompson, too, came out um, in support of the victims. It's nice to see because that takes guts. I think it's also nice to see because it's part of a lot larger conversation about um, workplace toxicity and sort of the accountability of senior leadership in any work environment to, you know, not behave (laughs) in this way. And I feel like in a lot of ways, like, a spotlight has been shown on a number of different social inequities that exist in our culture. Um, I feel like work- workplace toxicity is one of the one of the issues that is getting a lot of attention right now, and I think that's ultimately a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a big Ellen fan. I don't know a ton about her. I couldn't profess even having after having this conversation i couldn't profess to say like oh yeah i know that ellen just sucks like she's just a garbage human being like i would never say that because i don't i don't know her i don't know the context of her entire lived experience or her as a person but i hope that through this she's able to get the help that she needs in order to foster a more positive workplace and if she's beyond help, then I hope they find somebody else. A couple people at her show are going to be stepping down uh, following this reporting. But I'm also wondering just why can celebrities be such dicks, allegedly? It's like you have all the money in the world. You have everybody working for you, being nice to you. Why do you got to be that type of person? Why can't you be kind to one another like you preach at the end of your talk show every day? Some I think deeply rooted- yeah, it doesn't cost anything to be kind, honestly. Yeah. Like, no. it's super easy. Or to apologize if maybe you just had a bad day. Right. It happens once in a while. Sure. I think the issue for 
a lot of people who find themselves, a lot of celebrities who find themselves in this circumstance, is that they're out of touch. Yeah. I mean, when you hear some of the some of the things that like when you hear like rich people problems like things that they complain about like I forget who it was who was complaining about like her son being poor for the first time because he had his own apartment in Brooklyn and everybody was just like bitch what are you talking about you don't know you and your son know nothing about being poor (laughs) stop it Um, so I think that there's a level there is a level of fame and a level of rich that I think makes it difficult to be in touch. Mm-hmm. I just think it's also the people that you surround yourself with once you get to that level. Like you never want to be, regardless of whether you're famous or not, I don't think you ever want to have people around you that, that never push back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that um, like stardom breeds the yes man and mm-hmm. People just don't want to be told no. So they surround themselves with people that will only say yes or tell them that they're great all the time. Mm -hmm. Probably some of it comes down to insecurity as well in terms of keeping your status. And it's just a recipe for disaster. And they just turn into these monsters. Yeah, I agree with that. That's exactly what's happening in Washington. Any other celebrities we've heard of while we're on this subject who are allegedly total dicks? I have heard that Adele is a total, total bitch. And I have that on really good authority. Somebody who personally interacted with her, who I trust. And she's that type of celebrity who doesn't want you to look at her. If you do, she gets really pissed. I was told a story where she literally said to somebody that I know, what the fuck are you looking at? What? (laughs) Maybe she was just having a bad day. I don't know, but some celebrities are really like this. Yeah. I mean, I can't I can't speak to any personal experiences, but like I, you know, like I talked about a few weeks ago when I was talking about Donald Trump and his money shot. Like I know a couple of folks in the entertainment industry and I've heard of things like really insane demands that some celebrities have for like their dressing rooms and things like that, like needing a certain color of M&Ms in a bowl in their room, like just crazy shit like that. And that's to me, that's when I think about like, you must be so out of touch if these are the things that bug you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love looking at those tour riders. That's what's, Mm -hmm. that's what you're referring to. There's basically these info sheets. The celebrities say, I'm looking forward to playing at your venue. Please have blue M&Ms ready some chicken cooked to 130 degrees, uh, Diet Coke, no ice, you know, very specific requests. And they request these things at every venue. I And sometimes they leak and like TMZ will post them. I just find them fascinating. I've heard before that some of the like, you should always have one weird request on those, just to make sure that people are paying attention. <laughs> like that's, I, I'm sure that's how people like explain it away, right? Mm-hmm. But but that that's also like the the flip side argument that I will often hear get tossed around in terms of those writers is that you've always got to have one thing that's that's odd. Yeah. And <laughs> Shelby said, love <laughs> undercooked chicken. I don't know what Gross. what do you 350 <laughs> degrees? I don't know what he would cook chicken at. <laughs> we don't I, cook. I have one other hot hot piece of gossip. I'm not gonna say the celebrity, but I heard once, and again, 
very good authority, direct contact with this person who got angry at a meal when it was delivered and threw pancakes across the room in retaliation. <laughs> Your story just reminded me of, of another uh, story that I heard as well. Um, I was on um, the red carpet with this other reporter and <laughs> this one particular celebrity was there and she started getting really fidgety, this reporter. And I was like, what, are you okay? And she goes, oh, she's, it's just that last, um, before I, I got like a permanent job, I was interning and I was also um, a wait staff at this place. And this person that's coming down the red carpet, they um, are known for being a little bit of, you know, um, of a high maintenance person. And the event hadn't even started yet. And this person showed up and I was very excited to like meet them. And then the owner of the establishment came up and said, um, can you leave? Because so-and-so said that they didn't really like your vibe. So here's like your pay. Oh <laughs> and, uh, we're sorry, but she just like doesn't want you working at <laughs> this event. <laughs> oh, these people. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it I either. I did have an experience once when I was working at the Apple store. Um, and I'm not going to name names, but somebody pretty famous came in because this is when I was in, in New York. So it wasn't uncommon for us to get celebrities. Mm. And they were trying to make an appointment to fix their broken phone. And it was a Saturday. And I didn't recognize this person, which clearly pissed them off. Oh, because when I asked for their no. name, they said it to me like I was oh. the dumbest fucking person <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> And it's I still know who they were. It's Bill, Bill Clinton. Remember Monica Lewinsky. So basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this out for you. So I'm gonna use Andrew Yu as an example. It would be like if I had been like, uh, "And what's your name?" And you had gone Andrew, <laughs> and I had been like, "And your last name?" If you'd been like Sims, like I was a fucking moron, and I was like, "I don't watch your stuff." Like, so you didn't know this person at all, even after they introduced themselves, or no, once. Once they said their name, I was like, oh, okay. Like I <laughs> but like you're you're walking in like no makeup, giant ass sunglasses on. Like, I'm not gonna fucking know yeah, who you are. <laughs> right. And they should like that they're oh, unrecognized. I thought yeah. part of the fame, the problem with the fame is that you're getting recognized everywhere you go. So that person has a real complex because they wanna be recognized everywhere they go, even the but Apple they store. don't. Right. Yeah. 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 Strange. Well, they were also upset because I told them it was going to be a 40 minute wait for an appointment. Oh, and their response was, well, oh, no, can't they just see me? And I was like, <laughs> no, they can't. Laura, I'm going to need the name later. Oh, I'm curious. I'll give it to you. <laughs> well, good luck, Ellen and everybody at the Ellen show. And I just feel terrible for all these employees who had bad experiences. And maybe there's a uh, reckoning coming across Hollywood again. Maybe this is another Me Too movement in a way. Maybe other talk shows, other productions. We're going to be learning about how there's some toxic environments all over Hollywood. I mean, we we hear about this from time to time, but the Ellen one has been relentless, it feels like, um, for years and years. And now there's this real moment with this extra reporting that um, is actually causing some big changes there in Burbank. Okay, it's time now for a confessional. 
This says, my husband isn't paying his student loans and hasn't been since he graduated five years ago. For years, I have begged him to figure out how he is the kind of person that thinks if he ignores it, then the problem will go away. Oddly enough, we have not heard anything from collectors, collections companies, or the government about it, so it has made it easy for him to ignore. He recently almost didn't get a job because his credit report was so bad. We always use my credit when needed, and it has at least made him agree to let me try and handle it. All of his loans have gone into collections and are over $50,000 total at this point. I have always paid my loans on time, so I have no idea where to even start with this. All the information on the internet is scary. I keep seeing that we will still owe the complete amount of the loan in full, and we don't have the money to pay $50,000. Does anyone have any advice on how to handle this? Because I am lost and terrified. Well, first of all, I feel bad that it you feel like it's on you. It seems like it should only be on him. Also, I feel like that by letting him use your credit report, you're enabling him. And maybe now's the time to put your foot down and be like, you cannot use my good credit anymore. You have to save yours and then, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it sounds to me like they're just using the writer's credit when it comes to like buying a house or financing a car, mm-hmm. um, which isn't uncommon. I mean, a lot of couples will do this if one person has a better credit score than the other. Um, but his but is what- really bad and he still has no interest in paying back all these loans. It's also really lucky that they have not heard anything from collection companies or the government about it. I mean, aren't I mean, those collection companies supposed to be relentless? They are. And Mm, part of me wonders, like, did, first of all, I wonder, are these federal loans or are they private loans? Because it's a little bit different depending on what kind of loans he has. Um, also, did he get a co-signer on these loans? Like, did somebody co-sign and is that person being harassed by the collections calls? So there's there's a few details in here that would be important to know but honestly it sounds like you're on the right track he has to pay it but usually with i mean even with debt collectors you can negotiate a repayment plan um so yeah the internet's probably making it sound really scary and like you're all of a sudden gonna have to come up with fifty thousand dollars but when debt collectors buy debt like this they're buying it for pennies on the dollar and they are not expecting to get the full principal back because they never paid for the full principal in the first place yeah i was just gonna say that um i i think most of the time they just want their money back in any way it's gonna come back to them So I'm sure that if you called, like, a payment plan would be better than no payment plan. So as long as you're willing to, you know, have that conversation with somebody over the phone, that's all you're gonna be able to do is just like call and see. And I guess their husband wants to actually pay these back. That wasn't really clarified. I wonder if he's still holding out from actually paying because if the collection companies aren't coming, aren't coming for them, maybe he's thinking that they they can actually get away with this after all. He, I guess he's thinking he can get away with it. I mean, the other part about this that makes me a little nervous is if these are federal loans, then under a lot of or most of the repayment plans, once you're married, your spouse's income is counted towards 
your total household income, which then drives up your monthly loan payments. Um, I mean, just based on the fact that your credit score is in good shape, I'm guessing that's not the case here. But I would definitely make moves and be proactive here and not wait for debt collectors to start calling and knocking on your door. Um, It may even be worth getting an attorney, like getting somebody who's on your side, paying somebody, you know, for an hour long consult to figure out what your options are. Yeah. And I would also just remember you're not you're not alone in this. I'm sure a lot of people are in very similar situations, whether Mm -hmm. it's because the person didn't want to pay their debts or because they simply can't afford it. There's a lot of people out there going going through something like this. And maybe that's why the collection companies haven't gone after you yet. It's because they have so many people to deal with, especially right now. Um, but yeah, good luck with it. I mean, you do want to clear that off your conscience. It's I would have a hard time sleeping at night knowing people are going to be coming after me for that money. Mm-hmm. And that will never just disappear. You have to do something. Well, okay. Before we get into the hot mess known as Trumpster Fire, Pam and I want to take a break to tell you about a sponsor we've both fallen in love with, Anastasia Beverly Hills. I must confess, I've gotten a little obsessed with playing with my brows ever since Pam and I started using Anastasia's Brow Wiz, Brow Definer, and Clear Brow Gel. I like doing makeup for myself, so sometimes that means... I don't feel like wearing it. And that's totally cool because Anastasia has your back however it is you're feeling yourself that day. Even just a couple of swipes of their clear brow gel to help smooth things out while also creating a plumping effect for natural, fuller-looking brows does the trick on a makeupless day. What I've heard said about the clear brow gel is that it can be used by anyone, anyone, any man, woman, or child to give an effortless boost to your brow game. I've personally been enjoying blending the two colors I have. I have medium brown and dark brown, and I do that to get some natural color variation and add a bit more dimension to my brows. I typically start with a brow definer in medium brown and finish by adding several strokes of dark brown, and then I use the spoolie end of the brush to blend it out depending on how bold I want my brows to look that day. Pam, what has been your go-to with our new fave? I've really been loving the brow definer. It has an angled tip. And if you don't have time to either master the brow whiz or, you know, get super detailed with your brow look, I just love this because you can swipe it on super quick and then brush the brows through with the spoolie that's on the other side and put a little bit of the... um brow gel on and you're ready to go. It's super quick. So true. And we're so excited to have America's number one brow brand as a millennial sponsor. Head to AnastasiaBeverlyHills.com and use promo code M-I-L-L to get 15% off your first order. That's A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A BeverlyHills.com and you'll get 15% off your first order using promo code M-I-L-L at checkout. And also a quick note on that promo code, it works with anything on their website, not just brow products. So y'all should treat yourselves. All right. It's time for what's the segment again? What's it? Are you trying to trick me into saying it? What is it? What? No. I know what you're trying to do. (laughs) Trumpster fire in the year that shall not be named. (laughs) 
we're all on it so far. I guess. Well, now we're going to be talking about this year more. Yeah, I was so say, there hasn't yeah. been much opportunity. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's this is about to get a lot harder, guys. Okay. So um, we were going to start with a story out of New York that's come up over the past few days. Did you all watch um, New York Attorney General Letitia James's national press conference on Thursday? No, but I heard about it. And I know you were really excited because they teased an announcement coming. Yeah. So I will say myself and I think the internet basically was all thinking, oh my God, it's about Trump. Because of course, we found out shortly before this announcement that Deutsche Bank had complied (laughs) with subpoenas. So we were like, oh shit, it's going to be Trump. Well, long story short, it was not Trump. But I wouldn't say that that's a reason to be disappointed yet because there was some there were some interesting developments that came out out of this. Um, So the New York Attorney General's office has filed a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association with the end goal of ultimately dissolving the National Association, as well as preventing um, the four members of senior leadership, including Wayne LaPierre, from ever serving on the board of a nonprofit in New York State again. So people got pretty hype about this on both sides of the aisle. There were, you know, folks who tend to be more in agreement with us who were like, yeah, this is great. The NRA is a complete sham. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were Second Amendment advocates who took this as a signal that the Democrats were trying to come and get our guns. And I thought first it would be good to establish that the NRA is not what gives you your Second Amendment rights. The Second Amendment existed before the NRA (laughs) came into being, and it will continue to exist long after the NRA uh, no longer does, should that day come. But they champion those rights, Laura. They embody the Second Amendment. Well, I think that they embody going on fancy safaris and (laughs) buying yachts for themselves um, because... Actually, uh, Letitia James is not going after the NRA for their views on gun rights. She's not even going after them for all of the gun violence that has happened in this country. She's going after them for the money. So there was a year-long investigation that turned up $64 million diverted from the NRA's, quote, charitable mission for personal use by senior leadership over the last three years. So that was travel, purchasing private jets, paying for expensive meals, going on safaris, like literally safaris they've been taking themselves on. So this is literally senior leadership of the NRA, which is registered as a nonprofit, by the way, um, (laughs) using membership. Like you have to pay a membership. You have to pay membership dues to be in the NRA using that money that people are giving them, believing that they are out there fighting for Second Amendment rights and turning it around and going on a really expensive ass vacation with it. In fact, um, the attorney general referred to it as them using the NRA as their own personal piggy bank. Because mm. that's pretty much what has happened. The fun part of this was they asked her during the Q&A session after the briefing if there were any cases that provided legal precedent for what she was trying to do. And they specifically pointed to the Trump Foundation. 
as a very, very similar case in which Mm -hmm. they were registered as a charity and they were basically fleecing, very heavily fleecing the money um, from that organization in order to line their own pockets. So very... they had to shut down. Yes. Yeah. So this was all all really interesting. Um, I know a question that's come up a lot for people over the last several days, including for myself, was how can a state attorney general shut down a national organization? The way that they're going about this is this is actually a civil suit. So civil suits can have federal implications, primarily because she's involving the IRS in this too, which is a national, I mean, that's the IRS is not confined to any one state. Um, So that's part of it. But the other part of this, and I would encourage folks to go out and read this because it's super interesting. I think that there is some historical precedent here um, for the civil suit that ultimately defunded the Klan as a national organization. Um, So in 1981, and it's crazy when you're thinking about it in the most recent terms as 1981, but um, the Klan murdered a young black man and his mother went to sue them and the way that they went about it was they went after the clan's money and basically bankrupted them so they weren't going after them for being racists at least not on the surface they were going after where the money was and ultimately um, that young man's mother was given the Klan's national headquarters, which was where all of their all of their finances were basically centralized. So yes, there are still the Klan obviously still exists, but they're very splintered. They don't have the same national organization that they once had as a result of this. So that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was wondering to myself, like, how does she have this level of reach on this case? Um, Not to say that it can or will necessarily turn out this way, but I think it's one possibility and one piece of history that we can look at. Also, Trump signed executive orders on Saturday to circumvent Congress since no agreement has been reached on extending the CARES Act. We were talking about this last week. There's basically been no progress since then. His new order calls for $400 in weekly unemployment assistance that would need to be subsidized 25% by the states. People would not be eligible unless they were first granted the state's part. But here's the thing. There's a lot of questions around, can he actually do this? Can he just sign an executive order and make this happen? And so far, it doesn't seem like he can, right? Right. Well, money is controlled by Congress. (laughs) It's not up to the executive branch to do something like this. Um, As a matter of fact, Michelle Evermore, who's a senior policy analyst at the National Employment Law Project, said, I seriously have been running through all I know about unemployment insurance and cannot figure out a single legal way to increase it through executive order. So Trump is just talking out of his ass again, but this time he did it with some props. So that's nice. Well, I think that this was totally a political move because they knew that Congress was going to be they knew Congress was going to be gridlocked on this and they weren't going to reach an agreement. So it was a great weekend 
um, headline for Trump. You know, it made him look like the great uniter, the great bipartisan uniter who could pull things through and make things work for the American people, except most people won't be able to take advantage of this $400 a week because they've tied so many strings to it. In addition to the fact that the state has to provide $100 of that funding, when the states already can't pay their own fucking unemployment, is yeah. just ludicrous. But then, because the CARES Act was not extended, states would have to come up with a new system in order to deliver the money. <laughs> Okay. It's a nice way to make him look good and then point the finger elsewhere when yeah. people can't yeah, do it. Yeah, now you guys huh? take care of it. Yeah. yeah, so that he can be like, well, at least I'm trying. Yeah. He tried. He's like, it's, Tr- not, it's out of my hands now. Take it up with your governors. Yeah. Right, exactly. And mind you, the Democrats wanted to expand the CARES Act and the $600 a week through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, Which would have been great. I mean... Yeah. I think that's we're going to need that time and maybe more because coronavirus cases, while they have been dropping a little bit day to day, there's probably going to be a third wave. Some would argue the first wave never ended. I mean, there's there was that big one and then a bigger one, and we might be headed for an, an even bigger one in the months ahead. So, yeah, I mean, like with flu season just around the corner, I think that that's <sighs> very likely. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a complete clusterfuck. I was thinking this the other day. I wonder if less people have been getting the cold and the flu over the past few months because people have been outside less. They've been washing their hands more, using hand sanitizer more. I wonder if there's studies on that. I would love to hear about that. It would be interesting. But anyway. um, yeah, something else that uh, so Trump signed the four executive orders. Another thing was the deferral of a payroll tax due date that he's been wanting to do forever. This is just such a flop because even the republicans don't want this like they even know that it's stupid it's basically it's very similar to this year's deferral of the tax filing deadline from april 15th to july 15th you're still gonna have to pay it it's just later and also this isn't helpful to anyone who's not on payroll right these and these people already have jobs so they can probably afford this payroll tax as it is and like you pay the payroll tax with your it comes out of your pay comes out of your check so like can i get some of this money back until the new due date that allegedly is going to happen i mean i'd rather just give it up now and not have to not be surprised later yeah but at the end of the day this is this is another equity issue because this doesn't actually help the people who are suffering the most right Right. Um, one thing is he also extended federal student loan payments and interest deferrals through the end of the year. Um, so and and I think that this of the four executive orders, this was the one that is probably the least controversial um, just because it's he's not taking money from anywhere <laughs> in order to do it. Um, but you know, it means if you have federal student loans, you get another few months of not paying them, baby. <laughs> I will say that it, it has been interesting. I've been like, wow, the only time in my life I'll ever get to experience not being buried under student loan debt is during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> Everything's just <laughs> wonderful right now. <laughs> well, at least there's that, you know, take the, uh, take the wins where you can. By the way, is that actually going to happen or is this executive order BS too? I feel like of the four executive orders, this one was the least BS. The one okay. that people seem to have the least issue with. So it has the best chance of actually happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. We 
can't even be sure anymore if when a no, president signs I mean, an executive order. So this was actually coming from um, Vox. They were reporting that Trump initially dismissed concerns about lawsuits over the legality of the executive orders. And he predicted that any legal challenge will, quote, go very rapidly through the courts. Oh, OK. I'm he's sure had he's had a lot of stuff go rapidly fact. through the courts. Yeah. Also, we don't have to get into this, but I just wanted to offer some recommended reading. There was this great article in The Washington Post called A President Ignored Trump's Outlandish Claims Increasingly Met with a Collective Shrug. And it looks at how no one pays attention to what the president says anymore. He's ruined the power of his words after spewing so many incoherent, contradictory, and factually incorrect things. And one anecdote that they um, begin with in this story is when last week, shortly after that horrible explosion in Beirut, he said he heard from his generals that this was a terrorist attack. The president of the United States said that. That was grounded in no reality. That was purely speculation that he probably saw on Fox News while he was eating hamburgers that afternoon. And nobody took it seriously because nobody takes anything he says seriously anymore. So that's just a feel good article. I feel it's something I want to send to my Republican mm-hmm. friends. Look how far we've fallen. They don't want to hear it. Oh, yeah. If they're. If they are still Team Trump at this point, there's no hope. There's no there's no changing minds. There's no saving them. Let's move now to the Rona Roundup. Um, let's start with a light topic. I wanted to talk about what we wear in the time of coronavirus, because in a new piece from the New York Times about how COVID has changed clothing sales, we learned that sweatpants sales are up 80% as clothing sales overall fell 79%. So big year for sweatpants. Are we dressing up at all right now? Are, are we changing our habits? Laura, let's hear from you first, because you normally work at an office. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I work in a very relaxed environment, so I don't have to dress up for work. I can do jeans and a t-shirt, but I'm not even doing that now. I mean, I can't remember the last time I wore a pair of pants that buttoned and zipped. (laughs) It's all been like stretch waistband, which I think I'm going to be in for a rude awakening when this is all over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How about you, Pam? Um, I yeah, I kind of just live in in like dressings and in, in dresses and tights. Um, but I've also been wearing a lot of leggings too. Uh, definitely no jeans. And like Laura, I'm kind of scared to put them on at the <laughs> end of all of this. You know, it's okay. My we're feeling all, about this is like this is such a clusterfuck. And if you are able to get up and do what you need to do every day then that's a fucking win. Yeah, you have to be good to yourself right now. Yeah. Like when I see people who are like, during quarantine, while you're at home, you have no excuse but to be productive. Like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I don't want to hear any of that. Yeah. All of our mental health is like universally suffering. And if I put on a little bit of weight during this, that's far from the worst thing that could happen. Right, right. I've also... I probably haven't worn jeans in a while and I'm just kind of dreading it because they really are not very comfortable 
compared to some sweatpants or some gym shorts. That's what I'm usually wearing every day, especially obviously during the summer when it's hotter, especially here. It's always gym shorts for me. They breathe. They're loose. I'm comfortable all day. And they're kind of socially acceptable while you're out and about. Even pandemic aside, I think it's I think it's okay. It's acceptable to wear gym shorts. Now, if you're like going out to eat at a nice restaurant, no, of course not. If I'm going to Home Depot, if I'm going to the Apple store, if I'm going to, I don't know, shorts are fine. Gym shorts. Yeah. And it's not like we're eating out at fancy restaurants right now anyway. So. Right. That's true. I was trying to remember because I I was out recently when we had some family over and and I was trying to figure out if I had worn jeans then, but I don't even think I did (laughs) for that. (laughs) Yeah. I get guilt tripped by Pat a little bit from time to time because he'll put on a nice pair of khaki shorts and we're like going to Lowe's and he's like, why don't you wear something a little nicer? I'm like, we're going to fucking Lowe's, the home improvement store. Who cares? I mean, just like that might help some people, you know, like I, I've told I've had a lot of friends uh, at the beginning of this that were having trouble adjusting to working from home. And one of the tips that I gave them was like, if it helps you, like, don't feel weird about getting dressed. You know, yeah. if that helps you be more productive. Right. So yeah. Maybe maybe that's like his whole thing. He's just like, I feel like I should at least wear my nice clothes at some point. Yeah. Since, and like the grocery store is like the only place we are going now. Right. So. It's, the, it's the big night out at the yeah. movie. Yeah. These days. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> also, though, there's definitely an, an expectation amongst gay people. Like. If you see other even gay people, Lowe's? even at Lowe's, I think if you see <laughs> other gay people, you're like, what is he wearing? You know, it's like, why are you wearing gym shorts? I think there's a little bit of people? that. Huh? Do you do that to people? If I saw two gays, honestly, now I'm sounding like a hypocrite because if I saw two gays, and I knew they were gay. I would be a little disappointed that they were wearing gym shorts. You got to be stylish in huh. some way as a gay person. Maybe you should start wearing stylish hats. Yes, or a nice fitting shirt. Offset. I try to do that mm-hmm. usually when I go out. Uh, you know, athleisure wear is like, that's fashion now. So I'm sure you could dress up gym shorts if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. What else is going on, Laura? So I want to give my state a shout out for um, being what I would like to call uh, the dumb fuckistan of this country this week. Um, so not only... Did Georgia exceed Florida on daily infections per capita today based on population? Um, Georgia schools are acting as a national example for why reopening was such a terrible idea. So did you guys see this picture of a crowded hallway that was taken by a student out of North Paulding High School? Yeah. I, I did not, but it sounds intense. <laughs> yeah, basically, if you look up an article that's like coronavirus reopening schools, Four out of five are going to have that picture (laughs) on the top of the article. Um, But first of all, that student was suspended for sharing that picture. Yeah. Um, Are you kidding? That was insane. Yeah. Until there was enough outcry that the school all of a sudden retracted that decision. Um, But our schools have only been open for like, a week, maybe two at this point, And we're already seeing hundreds of people needing to be quarantined because they've been exposed. So like at North Paulding High School, where that picture was taken, this was the first week of school. Six students and three staff have tested positive in the last week. Those numbers may sound low, but when you think about high schools with students crammed in classrooms, students changing classes all the time, sharing bathrooms, 
sharing cafeterias, et cetera, six can very quickly multiply. Um, there are also 100 potential cases in Cobb County schools, but thankfully they are going to start remote on August 17th. So they're at least being smart about it. It seems like the counties that are all closer to Atlanta are all going virtual. Um, but pretty much everywhere else is offering virtual um, with an in like in person as an option. But the problem that I saw looking at uh, Paulding County's uh, virtual program is there are only a certain number of slots that are available. So if every child in that county wanted to go virtual, they couldn't. And right now there's a wait list to get your child into the virtual academy. And it's just dependent on them getting enough faculty to support it. So clearly this was something that was haphazardly meshed together at the very last minute. And there wasn't, you know, any great deal of time put into it, which when you consider that kids have been home since March, you would think that there had been enough time to adequately plan for virtual learning to be available to anyone who wanted it. The good news is that it looks like a lot of school systems across America and maybe in other parts of the world are moving to a virtual environment for the upcoming fall season. I know Chicago and LA, two of the biggest school systems in the country, they announced they are teaching from home. Um, New York is still planning on going back, sending all the kids back to school, which just seems insane to me. I feel like the governor is going to be changing that um, in the weeks ahead, but maybe not. We'll see. So I thought we could also, before we move on, um, listen to a clip from Teresa Lyons. Teresa Lyons is on uh, the board of um, Paulding County's Department of Education. And they met the other day to discuss the challenges of remaining compliant in schools while recognizing the uh, contamination and spread risk of COVID-19. And since scientists have found that uh, consecutive exposure to somebody for 15 minutes can be what causes somebody to pass the infection along, uh, Ms. Lyons was trying to figure out a way that they could get around this while still being compliant. So, Andrew, go ahead and play the clip when you're ready. Uh, One thing is the 15 minutes, Mr. Uh, Eric, that you mentioned, is that consecutive minutes? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, I want to throw out a suggestion there. If we could rotate in the classroom, you know, 15 minutes, switch your, or 14 minutes, switch your your chairs, that would be a way that we can be in compliance. Switch your chairs? Yeah, she's literally talking about students getting up every 14 minutes and going and sitting somewhere else. What? Well, I hope it's that like suggestion went nowhere. It's like if nowhere. Betsy DeVos was local. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> or like that that Florida lady from the um, that Florida conference that they had, the town hall. Oh, I feel like that could apply to so many. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Which Florida woman are you? <laughs> Whatever you're thinking to, of, Pam? it works. Yeah. Um, well, one of the other big points that uh, that's been brought up is that classrooms are not very large to begin with. You can't space the students out six feet apart. With everything that's in the classroom. No. So it just doesn't make sense. And uh, yeah. it's just seems so, so dangerous to me. And I'm sure you too as well. And most of our oh, listeners. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a um I have a cousin who's a teacher out here in the East Bay and they're struggling with the lack of space, which is one of the reasons why they decided to stick to uh, Zoom meetings mm. just to start. But one of the ways that they thought they were thinking of maybe like making it so kids could go back to school is having all of the kids stay in one classroom and then having teachers rotate. But like, imagine being in high school and being confined to like one room. Yeah, no. And yeah, so they're all All day long in the same enclosed environment with each other, breathing each other's germs. 20 kids in, in like you stay in that one class, whatever classroom you're assigned with to you stay there. And it's just the teachers that that move around subject to subject. And what gets me about this is proponents of reopening schools, their main argument is that this it's the best thing to do for children's learning and to not disrupt it. Everything you're going to have to do in order to make schools even moderately safe is disruptive. Right. No matter what you do, it's going to be disruptive to these children's education. So the question is, do you want to potentially have a child who might be behind in a subject or do you want to have a dead child? Right. I think the choice is pretty clear. Let's wrap up this segment with a confessional. I am so frustrated, y'all. It has been almost two years since I had any sexual activity with another person, and I am so ready to get back at it. But I can't because of fucking Corona. I get so mad because if Americans were less selfish and stupid, I could have spent this summer hoeing around and having a good time. But because we can't stay home and wear a goddamn mask, I won't be having sex until probably next summer at the earliest. Your boy just wants some dick. Is that too much to ask, America? This sounds like our listener Rex. But (laughs) this person says it's been two years and Rex doesn't go like 20 minutes without hooking up with a guy. So it can't be. Oh, my God, Andrew. That's what he says on the Discord. Anonymous. Okay. Okay. Anyway, um, I have an idea. This sucks. I have an idea. How about you meet up with somebody, but you stay six feet apart the whole time and you just watch each other jerk off. That could be fun. Well, hey, you just do that at home with porn, though. No, but you're like with webcams. somebody else in the room. It's more fun that way. Pam, come okay. on, Pam. Haven't you done okay, this before? Fine. I was just trying to make it safer for our <laughs> listener. God. Did you hear that? Um, like I would imagine it was a province in Canada, but it was either a province or a national Department of Health recommendation about um, sexual activity during the pandemic. We spoke about that on air, I think. Yeah, one of the recommendations was glory holes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's six feet apart. <laughs> well, but I, I guess it puts a barrier between you. I mean, that's true. I don't think... You're not breathing on each other. Yeah. But, and... but wait, 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 wait. <laughs> if you're sucking a person's dick, your saliva could get into their... You just everybody's going to have to use condoms yeah. with their glory holes. Yeah. UGA was recommending that people do it doggy style so they don't breathe on each other. Doggy style and masks mm-hmm. and face shields. Oh, man, get sexy. <laughs> don't forget to put on the gloves. <laughs> Got to put on those gloves. Well, somebody's going to have to invent some new sex positions or some new ways to have sex in the time of a pandemic. I'm sure someone's oh. already working on it. Yeah, according to the Discord, that was uh, British Columbia's health department thank you for your service well done bc yes we appreciate it i just loved seeing glory hole written on like a government website (laughs) (laughs) 
They're covering all the bases. Well, if you don't want to meet with anybody in person, I have the perfect app for you, Talkspace. We all have something we're working on, perhaps a career change, finding a partner, or procrastinating less. The hard part isn't identifying these goals because we know the issues we're having. It's taking action and it's finding a solution. And thanks to Talkspace Online Therapy, finding a licensed therapist is easier than ever. Get matched with your perfect therapist right from your device and connect with them on your own schedule from anywhere at any time. Better yet, one month on Talkspace costs about the same amount as a single in-person therapy session. This is therapy whenever you want it from wherever you are. At any time of day, you can message your therapist and they'll get back to you quickly. If you're sending messages during the daytime, typically they'll get back to you with thoughtful responses within a few hours. I love Talkspace because it lets me easily fit therapy into my day-to-day life. Whenever something's on my mind, I can message my therapist and I know she'll have my back. I just keep the tab open in my browser all day. It feels like I'm using Facebook Messenger with a friend, but this person is trained to help me. Talkspace therapists have experience treating depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, relationship issues, food and eating, and much more. The bottom line is that we all need someone to talk to, and Talkspace wants to give the licensed support we deserve at a price we can afford. As a listener of this podcast, you can get $100 off your first month on Talkspace. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code M-I-L-L to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's M-I-L-L and Talkspace.com. You know who's not offering any discounts is uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney Plus is uh, gearing up to debut Mulan wherever Disney Plus is available, uh, but it's going to cost you a bit of extra money. Specifically, it's going to set you back twenty nine ninety nine, uh, and I believe that you will own this for as long as you have Disney Plus. You better right. Oh yeah, but- for as long as you have Disney Plus. Ugh. I believe so. See, here's the thing. There's been some conflicting reporting on this. Maybe Disney hasn't figured it out yet. They're waiting to see how people react. I don't think Disney's figured it out. Um, So this is also in addition to the $6.99 you're also going to have to pay to sign up if you're not already subscribed or that you'll be paying monthly if you didn't opt into, you know, some kind of multi-year deal like I think a few of us did. So the film will still play in theaters, but only in markets where Disney Plus is not available. This was all announced kind of randomly during an earnings call for the Walt Disney Studio company, during which time CEO Bob Chappick said the studio is, quote, looking at Mulan as a one-off, as opposed to saying there's some new business model that we're looking at. But this kind of seems a little hard to buy, right? Yes. That they're just going to like do all of this just for one movie yeah and i follow some hollywood journalists on twitter and they said one of them said they spoke to a source at disney who said we put way too much work into the system for this to only be a one-off so for now they're saying oh don't worry movie theaters this is just one time we're doing this because of the pandemic but yeah they're gonna do this more often 100 percent. um on top of just you know it making sense from a labor standpoint because somebody somewhere had to build this 
service for Disney Plus. It's also just a really smart move profit-wise because they're going to pocket 100% of the profits because they're not going through another PVOD service to host Mulan for people that want to rent this. Right. They're literally just going to get, you know, the full sum. Uh, So, you know, why not? If it works for Mulan, why not do this for other titles? It just doesn't really seem logical for them not to. I think that this is definitely one of those live action adaptations that most people have been pretty excited for. So I want to know if you guys are going to be shelling out the extra cash to check this out on September 4th. Nope. I was excited for it, but uh, I already pay for Disney Plus and I'm not going to give them another $30 for one movie. That's the thing. $30 is a lot. $10? Maybe. Maybe. $20? Ugh. Maybe. $30? That is too much. I mean, you can also put it in terms of what it would cost for you to go to a movie theater. It would probably cost you about $15 per person, especially if you're factoring in gas, if you're factoring in food. But still, for, for something we're already paying for, it does not makes sense. However, I do want to pay for it because it is a brand new movie and I want to be a part of the conversation. (laughs) I'm going to have FOMO if everybody else is talking about it and I can't, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's where they're going to get you, honestly. So Andrew, here's what you do. Pay for it on your Disney Plus account and then the rest of us will just log in and watch it that way. Laura T, maybe. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for, you know, I think you make a good point, Laura, for for like, if you were like a one person household, you're a single millennial, say, yeah, like you're paying $30 just for a movie you might not even like, right? Yeah. But for a family of four, like this might be a deal because you'd be going to the movies anyway. Right. So if you could actually get people together and get everyone to throw $5 in the pot, then that would be great. But Unless you're already quarantining with those people, it also doesn't make sense. Right. Like, this is also $10 more than like all of the other movies that have been released on PVOD during yes. the pandemic. Yeah. So Twirl's World Tour, which was a huge success for Universal, was only $20 to rent. Yeah, there's like a Disney tax on this because right. people want to really see these movies. Then again, this is just another live action adaptation of an old movie. Somebody joked on Twitter, I can see Mulan right now for free on Disney Plus already. The animated version. And that's a really great point. They're making yeah. us pay and you $30 get all the songs. for a remake. And we don't even know how good it is yet. Yeah. And yeah, that's me, a good point. Yeah. All of the li- the Disney live action movies have been really hit or miss for me. Like there have been some of them I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, and some of them not so much. Love the Jungle Book. Uh, didn't love, uh, or in fact, really didn't love Aladdin. Oh, eh, I kind of liked it. <laughs> I'm surprised you loved The Jungle Book. I thought a lot of people panned no, The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book was universally beloved. Oh. It was really good. The Lion King, not so much. Yeah, right. Lion, King didn't, too. Mm-hmm. Lion King didn't right. land with me either, mainly because I feel like they did Scar Dirty. They took away his song. <laughs> Your fave. Well, Yeah, he's my, oh, yeah. he's like my spirit animal. Well, and also the animals didn't emote in the live action Lion King. It was terrible. The songs I enjoyed, but yeah, there was no expression on their faces. And that's what made those animated movies. Right. 
You imagine but, how weird it would have been if the lions were smiling. <laughs> that would, would be really it. scary. <laughs> I, I assume they tested it and it just looked too strange. But Pam, I don't think, did you answer? Are you going to pay $30 for Mulan? You know, my, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, right now we, we have like three people on one Disney Plus account. So maybe like Laura said, if, if we all agreed to pay, you know, $10 each, then that would be okay. But probably because, you know, like like Andrew, I suffer from FOMO and I want to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of cool to watch a brand new Disney movie at home on a good TV. Like something about that excites me as well. Honestly, I'm just kind of happy that they didn't do this for Hamilton because that would have just oh, yeah. dampered the yeah. whole situation. And to be honest with you... There was part of me that was like, wait, they want me to pay for Mulan, but they didn't make me do this for Hamilton. Like, I would have paid for Hamilton, begrudgingly. I would have paid for Hamilton, but I don't think I would have paid $30. Well, and especially if you put it in terms of what a ticket to Hamilton live on stage would have cost you. What, like $100? That's true. Versus Mulan in the theater, $10 to $15 on the high end. And you have to imagine that at some point, like, are they just never going to make it available on Disney Plus for free? There, there are a lot of unanswered yeah. questions. They better. They have to. I mean, that's Disney right. Plus's whole thing. You get their whole catalog. That was the gimmick. I bet they will at some point, maybe maybe like a year from now or six months from now. Well, well, here's another gimmicky kind of situation also in terms of big movie news. AMC and Universal, you might recall, were at um, they were at odds earlier this year when amc got upset at universal for saying that because of the success of trolls world tour they were going to consider releasing even more movies on demand while also simultaneously releasing them in theaters um so they were kind of uh in a fight over that but i guess they're friends now they actually reached a new agreement earlier this last week where they decided that they're going to switch up the theatrical exclusivity window So for those of you guys that don't know what this is, um, this is basically the rule that makes it so movies have to be exclusively only available at movie theaters for 70 days or about three months before you can actually even like consider renting them or purchasing them. So this new deal, it's a multi-year agreement, and it would actually give AMC only three weekends of exclusivity so 17 days. And then after that, all Universal and Focus Feature films could potentially, if the studio decided, be allowed to be made available for viewers at home via premium video on demand services. So this is huge because yeah. this would cut down the time a lot in terms of like when a movie is released versus when you could enjoy it in the comfort of your own home. Uh, Vanity Fair is also reporting that AMC would get a slice of some of the revenue earned from rentals. So maybe that was, you know, a reason why they thought this was a good idea, especially after making such a stink about the idea of this earlier this year. Um, Currently, it only covers the U.S. region, but they're already talking about uh, expanding the deal to include international markets. Regal isn't too pleased about this. They still don't really see the point and how it's advantageous to movie theaters. But at this point, I don't really think that it's going to matter if anybody pushes back because AMC is the biggest movie theater chain um, in, I believe, the world. So this This is is huge. This is also huge because the thing about that exclusivity window is that 
you can say to yourself, well, I'll just wait for it to come out on Netflix or on on demand. But you're like, well, shit, that means I have to wait another three to six months for the Avengers or the new Mulan or something. But now if the window is only three weekends or 17 days, I can wait a few weeks to watch a brand new movie instead of going to the theater. I think the average moviegoer might be willing to wait if they can see it at home. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, time also means nothing right now. Like It's true. Isn't today March 10th or something? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels. Like um my doctor was like, "Oh yeah, you'll get you'll be able to enjoy the fall weather soon." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Cuz mentally I'm still in April. Yeah. I almost messed up and said the word. I like stopped myself. I was uh... about to be like, "Isn't that the way it is in and then I was like, no. I think what we're learning is this is not a hard word to avoid. No, we're going to have to pick a harder Trump. word. Trump. Yeah. That would be hard. <laughs> That's going to be hard. <laughs> but yeah, this is a really big deal. Maybe the answer is movie theaters are just going to have to downsize. If less people are going to be going to the movie theaters, then there might not be a market for these 20, 30 screen theaters anymore. I know that would be a very difficult task because all these movie theaters already exist. They have huge rents to pay. They probably just can't shut down half the theater. They'd have to build a whole new theater to make this a financially viable business. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I went to a movie theater in Portland last year. And now that I'm thinking about it, I I feel like in the time of social distancing, something like this theater could be the future. Picture an Alamo draft house, right? Where they have like wait staff mm-hmm. and they bring you the fancy food and like the fancy popcorn if you order it. But like instead of actual theater seats, it's just like a random hodgepodge of sofas and tables all spread out, maybe a maximum capacity of like 50 people in there. Mm. And I feel like it would be smart. For more theaters to adopt something like that, because everybody knows movie theaters make most of their money in concessions. So if you can charge more for something like mac and cheese, Mm. which is relatively cheap to make, Mm -hmm. it could offset the rent prices and you could keep the amount of people that are in a particular screening room down. All right. Before we move on to recommendations in our closing, we just wanted to give a thank you to our latest patrons. Of course, you can support the show over at patreon.com slash millennial to gain access to thousands of hours of bonus content, whether it's our flagship benefit after dark, our monthly variety show. We do palace intrigue a couple of times a month so that you can see fun pictures and things about what's, what are going on in our lives. Um, so we really, really appreciate everybody who's supporting us there. Our latest patrons are Ashley, Shelby, Bridget, Defy, Robert, Lynn Law, Millie, Margarita, Liam, Kristen, and Elizabeth. Welcome. And we are so happy to have all of you. Yeah, thanks for your support. And like we said at the top of the show, there's lots of good stuff happening on our Patreon right now. Yep. And now let's move to recommendations. I want to recommend something I meant to recommend last week. They are pods. The Moving Company. Um, We use these to go cross-country. Basically, uh, this company, they'll drop this giant pod in front of your place. You fill it yourself, or you can hire some movers to do it for you, like we did, because we have bad backs, and it was hot, and we had to use uh, go down three flights of steps. And then you close it, and you lock it up with your own lock, 
and then pods will get it out to your new place. And we had a really good experience with them. They were on time, pretty affordable too, compared to other movers. I mean, it depends on the distance of your move. But if you're considering a long distance move, you probably should seriously consider pods because they're going to be cheaper than a lot of other cross-country moving companies. Also, I have a bonus rec. Support the post office. They are under fire right now. The Trump administration is treating them like shit. So please, mail some letters. Laura, did you just take your shot? Did she say the thing? No. Did you no. say 2020? No, I just knew we oh. weren't going to do it. Laura so gave I up. Took my <laughs> shot. You announced that you were going to do it. We're an audio podcast. <laughs> well, I, I figured it would be fun for the people at home. This is just one of the many benefits that you get by supporting us at Patreon. Should I take a little sip of my fireball? Yeah, yeah, you got it now. Oh, oh, oh reminds me of Christmas. Very cinnamony. <laughs> Look how much of this shot I actually took. <laughs> oh, that's <Little> nothing. <laughs> Move on to my recommendation. My recommendation is to go to a drive-in. So actually, I went to a drive-in for the first time in my life this past weekend. Oh. Never been to one before. Um, And so I thought, you know, why don't we try this out? Like normally with quarantine going on, we're not going out a lot of places. And this is one of the few opportunities that we could have to like get out and feel like we're getting a traditional movie going experience. So we went and it was a ton of fun. But the only thing I will say is apparently you have to get there really early Mm. if there's something specific you want to see. Because we got there late by the time there was a really long line. And by the, by the time we pulled up, the only movie that had any availability left was The Tax Collector with Shia LaBeouf. Oh. So I don't even know what that is. It's horrible. <laughs> don't see it. It's like, it's literally... Okay, so when we saw it, I thought... It, this must have been like a movie that was made in the early 2000s because it just seems so dated. And also like all of the stereotypes of Latinx people just seemed really old school, early oh. 2000s. Nope. That shit was made this year. <laughs> and it and it was horrible. And like, I don't know if they wanted you to think Shia LaBeouf was Mexican, but... Wow. Yeah. Did you no, go there was... hoping to see a specific movie? Yeah. So we wanted to see, fuck, I don't remember the name of it. We wanted to see The Rental, I think it was called. I think um, it was directed by James Franco's brother, oh. oddly enough. it was like, It's like a horror movie. And so we were like, oh, of all the movies they're showing, this is the one horror film. We haven't seen it. Let's go. And when we got there, all that was left was the tax collector. And there was a fucking reason for that. So go to a drive-in, but get there early. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I wanted to recommend The Umbrella Academy Season 2 on Netflix. And Season 1, if you missed this when it first came out. Um, It came out a few weeks ago now, but I've just been slowly making my way through it and just really enjoying it. Also, it's got a really good soundtrack. So I would check that out, too, if you're... Um, a fan of the show. Coming up in After Dark, we will discuss Midnight Sun, our thoughts on it so far. On my new shelf here, the people tuned in live right now can see Edward, my Edward Funko, and I also have a Jacob one. I didn't buy the Bella one when I bought these a few years ago. Does that make me sexist? I just, yep. I'm not into Bella, you know? I'm into the hot you guys. You just really want Edward Jacob to be a thing. 
<laughs> Bella's just getting in the way. Yeah, exactly. I, I make them kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. Thank you to everybody for supporting us there. It really means the world to us. And it just really inspires us and motivates us. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. And that's, of course, where we have our confessional as well. And do follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Okay, to close us out, we will play a song from our newly created Millennial Summer Rewind playlist available on Spotify. This is a Laura pick. So if you don't like it, blame her. Blame me. Bye, everybody. I don't give a fuck. Bye. Bye.